0: Hello and welcome to the Body and Food Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, trauma informed mental health social worker, psychotherapist and nutritionist. I'm the creator of the Body and Food Freedom Project, a women's group focused on helping women make peace with food and their bodies. I know firsthand how dieting, food restriction, and body shame can steal our joy and have us playing small in our own lives. But I also know the freedom and liberation that comes with breaking free from diet culture, making peace with food, and learning to respect our bodies. Follow along as I speak with you and my guests about concepts including shame, self-compassion, intuitive eating, body image healing, and all things trauma, mental health, and therapy. I'm so happy to have you here. Grab a cup of tea and your headphones and let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Body and Food Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, and I'm so happy to have you joining today. Um, At time of recording this, I actually just had a bit of an experience with my own Um, imposter syndrome. I also refer to this as imposter narrative. Um, And I just thought, why don't I let this turn into an episode? (laughs) I know I'm not the only one who experiences imposter syndrome. Um, And I definitely think imposter syndrome is rooted in shame, which is something you've heard me talk about before and that you know it's a big key sort of key part of my group program. Um, and so imposter syndrome, um, and this, this sort of definition that I'm about to read you is from Jill Corkendale. Hopefully I said her name right. Um, she's an executive coach and writer, and she's based in London. Um, and this was published with the Harvard Business uh, Review. And so I will include a link to that article in my show notes, um, but I'll read you the definition because I really liked this, this one. Um, So imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. They seem unable to internalize their accomplishments, however successful they are in whatever field or whatever they're doing. Um, high achieving, you know, highly successful pe- people often suffer, and so imposter syndrome doesn't equate with low self-esteem, or lack of self-confidence. Um, in fact, some researchers have linked it with perfectionism, especially in women. And so this is why I'm saying that, you know, it's it's, it's all sort of in this similar area. You know, this, this shame is often the root of these things, like perfectionism, and to a degree, like imposter syndrome. And so You know, what I've noticed with my own imposter syndrome is that it pops up when I'm doing something scary or for the first time. And I don't know why, but my brain sometimes just has visuals. And I was sitting thinking like, how would I describe the imposter syndrome um, and what it feels like? And it is for for my people who... (laughs) I guess I grew up in the nineties, early two thousands, um, but safe by the bell, right? Like Zach and Kelly and all of that. So what came to my mind as like this visual of how my imposter syndrome pops up is when, you know, like in safe by the bell and someone closes a locker and screech just sort of like pops his head out from nowhere. That's how it feels sometimes. (laughs) Um, and you know, I think, look, I've been in clinical practice doing assessment therapy for, I think, 14 or 15 years now. And I see this come up for so many competent people. Um, and not just women, to be honest, I see this come up for, for men and women. And it doesn't seem to matter what their experience are is or what their qualifications are. Um, and so what I wanted to do today is give you some really practical tips. So if this resonates with you and you know you have that feeling where you're not competent, where you're a bit of a fraud, where you know you don't know what you're talking about, these are honestly things that pop up for me fairly regularly, especially if I'm about to jump on and record something or interview someone. <laughs> um, but but it doesn't it doesn't cause the same distress that it maybe would have previously. And so one tip I have is, Simply acknowledging it. I think that can be so helpful of just taking a second, taking a breath, coming back to your body and recognizing, oh yeah, this is the imposter narrative that has popped its head, you know? Um, and I think to normalizing it, um, like I've said, I, I've just seen so many people struggle with this. And I I went to a conference um on one occasion where it was a huge room of professionals. And the, one of the presenters was talking about this. And she asked if anybody who had experienced imposter syndrome, if they would just raise their hand and seriously, pretty much every hand went up. And so it was this moment where it's sort of going, wow, this is actually fairly normal. Like, Um, And I think that's important because it doesn't have to mean something's wrong with you. You know, the thoughts that stem from imposter syndrome, they're not, look, they're not right. Right. And I think that's important to remember. So acknowledging it, naming it, normalizing it. I even, um, I've even looked up and I might actually share this again in my stories when you're listening to this. So, jump on an Instagram and check that out. But I made a uh, post where it was all of these really well respected women um, across the world who talked about their own experience with this. And one was Michelle Obama, um, one was Maya and Maya Angelou. And she, this is her quote. So, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find out. And I was sitting there thinking, Maya was rest in peace. Like she was just strong and had such beautiful words. And 11 books later, she still has some of those thoughts popping up. And so just know you're in good company (laughs) if this is a thing for you. Um, another tip, which is one that I've talked about, um, on other podcasts, it, I've talked about it on my podcast regularly, but I think it is just worth having the reminder pretty, you know, consistently of you are not your thoughts or emotions. You are the observer. And that is part of mindfulness and part of self-compassion is that recognition that, We're not our thoughts and emotions. And I think that is so empowering. And one of my favorite, all my clients probably would have heard this, but one of my favorite ways of observing my thoughts and what's going on in my head is pretending I'm in the back of a cinema. I'm eating popcorn. I have my favorite lollies slash candy. um, I have my favorite drink. My feet are propped up. And I am just super chill and comfortable in the back row of the cinema and across the cinema screen, I imagine what thoughts go through, right? And so I can just watch it scroll across the screen, right? Like you're maybe going to fail. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're not qualified to do this. You don't have enough experience, right? And I can sort of just watch it scroll and go, huh, that's curious, and honestly, I can watch it go by and release it. Um, and so I love that way of, um, like I said, observing and separating your beautiful self from, from whatever thoughts or stories are scrolling through your head. Um, something else in terms of um, thought work is creating some intentional thoughts that ground you back into your value system. And so I really love the thought, my worth is not dependent on this outcome. Um, and, and that can be with whatever's going on. If it's a work presentation, if it's something going on in your parenting life, it's, if it's stepping into a different part of your career or you know whatever this looks like, this intentional thought that you can meditate on, you can write down on your mirror, you can journal it. Um, You can do some breathing and simply repeat it. But this, my worth is not dependent on this. Um, And so if this thing I'm doing fails or succeeds, my worth is not up for uh, debate. So using an intentional thought um, that anchors you back into your value system that, um, like I said, reminds you that your worth just does not lie there. Um, And and that can be quite powerful, too, in terms of switching some of the thought patterns that tend to pop up. Um, Something else that's been so helpful for me is I simply greet it like it's an old friend who is a little bit annoying. (laughs) So, So it's sort of like, hello, imposter syndrome. She is here in full force. But instead of freaking out or panicking about it, I can just go, well, honey, if you're here, then this is a sign that I'm being brave or I'm being courageous or I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. So I almost take it as a weird compliment of, like I said, I don't have to get anxious that you're here. Hello, old friend. Um, Thanks for showing up and reminding me that, you know, I'm about to be really brave. And I think that reframe is just so lovely and can just make it feel a bit easier to um, sit with. And um, I hope I'm not throwing too much at you, but another part of this is reflecting on where some of this is rooted for you. And this is probably work you would do with journaling. Um, If you have a dear friend who you feel safe with and you can be vulnerable with, you could have some really deep and meaningful conversations with them. You could certainly do this work with a therapist, but really unpacking what systems are at play. And it might be diet culture, right? It might be patriarchy. Both of those have a way of teaching women um, implicitly or explicitly that we need to be perfect, right? And then enters perfectionism. Um, if you, also your family system can play, you know, play a role in this of where you've attached your worth. Um, You know, if you grew up in a family where you felt like you had to earn your worth um, or you really had to work for your caregiver's attention or comfort or approval um, that probably shaped where you have attached your worth. And so that gets stored in our subconscious and really becomes part of our core belief system. And so what this might look like on you know, a, a family level is maybe you had a really critical um, parent, right? And whether they criticized your body or criticized um, how fast you were sort of uh, moving in your career or in your education, then we can learn as children, well, my worth is attached to achievement. And in order to get, say, my critical mom or my critical dad's approval, I have to do this and I have to be perfect. Um, And so it's almost like we learn that that's our ticket to belonging. And belonging is a very important attachment need that we all have. Um, And so again, it's being curious about, well, are there messages that stem all the way back to childhood where I've learned uh, my worth is based in this? Um, I see this a lot with high achieving families. I see this if, um, if you went to a school that had a huge emphasis on scores and, you know, accomplishment and almost like a work ethic that damaged your mental health, that can shape some of this imposter stuff um, and perfectionism and where our worth is tied. Um, So I do think that doing that deeper work, and like I said, it can be in therapy, it can be journaling, it can be in a group setting um, where you unpack that a little bit and you remind that little you that your worth is inherent. Like think about that little you for a minute. Their worth is inherent. I don't know if we would look at any child and say, you know, the only, the only time that you have worth is if you're getting all A's. I mean, hopefully we would never look at a child and say that. Um, So some of it is that compassion that comes in that I talk about all the time, but it's compassion for your adult self as you are today, which is very important. How can I soften towards myself in this moment? but it's also compassion for that little you. Um, and, you know, I think this links, you know, I've, I've mentioned shame a few times and for my regular listeners, this is probably going to be a little bit of a repeat that comes up throughout this whole podcast, but shame cannot survive being shared and met with empathy and validation and compassion and safe connection. And so if you're experiencing perfectionism, imposter syndrome, there is usually shame attached and sharing it, thinking about who are the supportive people in my life that I can share this with. And it can be as small as an SOS text message to your best friend going, mm, shame spirals going on, imposter syndrome level 100 as I'm going into this meeting and just sort of reaching out and saying it out loud to someone who, again, meets you with compassion and empathy and validation that helps shift the shame just in and of itself, that sharing part. And if we don't do that, it's pretty much watering the shame plant, right? Because what it needs to grow is secrecy, judgment and isolation, And so we don't want to water the shame plant. Um, Again, we want to be gentle with ourselves. And so the other thing, and this is sort of getting towards the end, but I remember my mentor said to me, um, her exact words were, fuck it, do it scared. (laughs) And I was like, "Um, that's actually really helpful is, I can go, all right, I'm noticing the fear. I'm noticing the anxiety. You know, I've put these sort of tips in place. And ultimately now I'm going to do the thing. And that gives you this experience of mastering that, right? And the more we do it, the easier it gets. Um, And so those are my tips for dealing with imposter syndrome Uh, I hope that they've been helpful as usual. If you have questions, um, I'm happy to get them via direct message on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure when this episode will air, but just reminding you that my next launch for the Body and Food Freedom Project, which is my 16-week group for women, that is happening next February 2022. And so, if you're listening, if you're curious go to the link in my bio, book a discovery call with me. That will be totally pressure free. It's just sort of sussing out, is this a good fit for you? And I can put you on the wait list. So it reserves a spot. Um, So I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. And I hope today's episode has been helpful please like and subscribe to this podcast and take a second to give me a five-star review on iTunes that really helps get this message out to other women who need it. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Green Life Psychology. You can click in the link in the Instagram bio to learn more about the Body and Food Freedom Project, my 16-week online program where I teach and facilitate sessions live. Have a great week and I'll see you at the next episode.